Hello, beloved listeners, and welcome to Snake People at the Movies, film criticism by people who actually like film. Join us as we dive into movies we love, movies we respect, and movies we wish we could unsee. It's the podcast where we talk about growing up and living queer, nerdy, and depressed online and at the cinema. From the kids who have battle royaled their way to the top, it's Sneeple at the Movies. I'm Ezra. I'm Helena. And I'm Maddie. Folks, we took a little bit of a break, but uh, that's because it's episode 50. Guess what? Mm-hmm. There's 50. 50 of these episodes. How about that for a that's slice a of lot fried of gold? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a solid that's, couple of handfuls. That's yeah. like uh, two seasons of uh, Star Trek, the original series. Um, yeah. Very nearly. Well, actually a little bit more than that. Um, mm-hmm. well, it's like two episodes of, of, uh, it's like two episodes of TNG. Two yeah. Episodes. <laughs> two episodes. It's like two, two episodes seasons, of TNG. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, TNG t- it's like two, almost two seasons of Supernatural. <laughs> in the first season of, uh, Next Generation, the episodes do indeed feel that long. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, uh. Oh, gross. As, the as, as so. Of- TOS, sorry, is Turnabout Intruder, which is, like, the absolute worst episode ever. Of, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll, just, well, we'll just pick something else. We'll pick, a, we'll pick a different joke to make. I was um, gonna say, well, ours is gonna be better than that. Our 50th will be better than that, probably. Yeah. So, that's good. I hope so. That's good news. Uh, also, we've been doing this for two years. We already kind of did a two-year anniversary thing, but I don't know. They kind of happen at the same time, so I was like, eh, I'm gonna throw it in there. Uh, talk about a wild fucking ride. Yeah. <laughs> Talk yeah. about a couple of years that have happened in our lives also. We have we have um, menaced each other with a lot of weird gifts. <laughs> we've just, we've just, been ruining Google Docs since I'm just, I'm just thinking about two years of Helena's Google Doc crimes. Mm-hmm. 2019. Yes. <laughs> I was looking at some of them the Not, other day fondly. Yeah. God, I'm What's, so I'm so glad that they're they're preserved on the cloud for posterity. Brief rundown, Helena. What are your top three favorite Google Doc crimes that you've done? Well, I was the ones that come to mind instantly where uh, I post a sexy picture. Uh, one picture of uh, Stanley Tucci playing Captain Hook. I can't remember what episode that was from. But it, this is I also favorite. can't remember. Um, I do like one where we talk about heists, and um, I found a picture uh, from The Sting, a screen cap from The Sting where Robert Redford is doing the nose thing that uh, Gay Perry does in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and I lost my entire fucking mind. Look at what he's doing! I think the same one uh, I think we talked about the Rotten Tomatoes challenge that's why this came up. Yeah. Um, I found a lot of good pictures of Hugh Grant with mustaches. Um, yeah. That is, yeah, there was a collection, there was a rogues gallery of Hugh Grants, I remember that. <laughs> Grant um, is, in fact, the hero and the entire rogues gallery and the love interest uh, in every yeah. single role he's played collectively. Yeah. Just a few I, I'm a big fan of when you created the Google Doc and the <laughs> title was a YouTube link. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a link to the Boys of Summer for some reason. I think um, it was for our last Lord of the Rings episode, maybe? Yeah, it was. I was just trying to find... Well, let's see now. <laughs> Yeah, all see, my, can you find the Google Doc where the my, title of the Google Doc is a YouTube link? 
all of my Lord of the Rings, I say, because you unfortunately granted me the power to create all of the Google Docs for all the Lord of the Rings uh, Hot Girl Summer episodes. So that was like the last yeah. one. The first one, I think, or no, the first one was Hot Girl Summer Boys, uh, like Lord of the Rings uh, Summer. I was just like, yeah. you know, playing it safe. And yeah. then the next one was Gondor Boys are Undeniable. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I lost kind of some uh, inspiration towards the end there. Immediately um, went off the path into yeah. some new territory with that. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, the titular Speed Racer, of course. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. In an episode that had nothing really to do with Speed Racer. You know, we have fun here. No. Or I have fun. Yeah. And then I create misery for <laughs> others. Um, uh, yeah, this one uh, was entitled Hawaii Five O theme plays remixed with the Sneeple theme. So if anybody wants to do that for us, just. Um, God, just yeah. let me know. <laughs> I, just I let me know if you end up doing that for fun. I'm a particular fan before we move on. Also, one of our more pared down episodes, uh, the Intricate Rituals one, yeah. where the beginning is just the intro, and we start talking to each other in, <laughs> in Google, and Maddie says, um, hang on, I'm starting a Discord call so we don't have type of conversations and gooky like animals, and then I responded, <laughs> could animals do this? And posted one of the fake uh, Lord of the Rings subtitles from Two Towers was just this golem saying, my name's Smeedle. So, uh, you know. Yeah, there's a screenshot of that floating around on the Sneeple Twitter, I think, or on mine. Mm-hmm. Because I just remember sitting here. <laughs> I just remember fucking sitting here and you doing that. I just fucking lost it. We've evolved oh my since God. then. We've grown slightly i know that was such an early episode i remember <laughs> like where i was when i posted that episode because i had to get the editing done early um and i posted it while i was working emerald city comic-con oh damn uh wow. yeah God, remember cons yeah i remember <laughs> when i used to work those anyway i'm wow. fine um <laughs> yeah what a two years it's been uh and that and we still have conversations in the google doc like animals <laughs> Um, for this episode, we kind of wanted to do something a little bit different, and we're gonna, it's gonna be a more personal episode, I would say. Um, we're gonna do kind of a a dive into, like, the movies that made us movie people, um, and, like, talk about what that means to us. I have a very specific memory of, um, the time I decided that I was going to start studying movies. Like, I have a very, I don't have a lot of very specific memories, because my memory is shit- uh, but, but I remember that very specifically, and I don't know, we'll just talk about, like, why movies, I guess, um, and oh, then, yeah. uh, hopefully get to talk about, like, what two years of Steeple has, like, been like for us, like, what, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess when we started this project, I remember, like, we were like, yeah, you know, we'll keep doing this as long as we can, we'll just kind of <laughs> truck through, uh, and then two, you know, one year passed, and I was like, ah, oh, we did it for a year, that's cool, two years passed, and it's like, that's not a small amount of time to be doing a thing on the regular. <laughs> that's really um, not. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. That's kind of... We'll, we'll start with what we sneaked and then kind of meander away from there, I guess. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wants to... Do you want me to start? Who wants sure. to start? Sure. Okay. Uh, I did basically all rewatches. Some of them were movies I had only seen, like, once, or I hadn't seen in a long time, so they were, like, technically rewatches, but it was, like, it was kind of like watching it for the first time. Um, so I watched, uh, rewatched Raven, uh, 2012, which is a, like, thriller 
mystery, kind of, but it's pretty... I wouldn't say it's horror, but it's pretty gory. Uh, the idea is it takes place in the last days of Edgar Allan Poe's life, and there is a serial killer who is recreating deaths from his stories. Um, and uh, Mr. Poe teams up with the <laughs> cops, unfortunately, to kind of track down the killer. Uh, fun romp! Enjoyed the movie. I think I would. I was like, I went into it being like, man, I saw this when I was like nineteen. This movie probably isn't very good. And I was like, you know, it was pretty fun though. I like enjoyed it and would watch it again. So Fuck there's that. that. Um, uh, rewatched Two Frame Roger Rabbit, which I hadn't seen since I was a kid. Fucking incredible movie. Better than I remember it. Nice. Funnier now that I'm an adult. It's it's incredible. What a fucking masterpiece. I'm it's so, so excited good. to rewatch that. <clears throat> oh, it's so, and especially now looking at it with from the perspective of an adult who's like, the animated things aren't there, so the humans are acting uh, at nothing. They're yeah. not even acting at like a CGI guy in like a suit. No. Uh, they're just acting at nothing. Like maybe Incredible. a tennis ball if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's so good. Uh, I rewatched Constantine with Keanu Reeves, which nice. is it. <laughs> Is it a good movie? I don't know. Does it does it whip? Yeah, it whips real hard. Um, rewatched New Hope because I was in a mood and I was like, I want to watch a Star Wars. And I decided that I haven't rewatched all of Star Wars just kind of like in a row in a long time. Uh, so that's going to be my fun little project where I'm just dicking around. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to watch. I'm going to just kind of make my way through Star Wars again. Fuck yeah. Uh, sorry with New Hope. Leigh and I watched that and we were like, man, this movie's real fucking good, huh? Yeah, it's real good. Uh, and then last night, uh, Z, Lay, and I rewatched Pacific Rim, which is another movie that whips. Um, I feel like I watched something else, but I was th- I've been thinking about it for hours. I can't remember what it is, so I think I'm just making it up. I've been reading Dresden Files books, playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, uh, watching a lot of Secret Sleepover Society. That's kind of been what I'm doing. That's been what I'm doing. That's the phrase. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that applies to all of us, I think. I We've been doing what we're doing. And it's yep. a lot. It's mm-hmm. a lot to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, it's a lot to do. Life. Uh, mm. Z, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, yeah, sure, I can go. Um, I also rewatched uh, a fair amount of stuff. Um, I, yeah, rewatched Pacific Rim, which, like, you know, that movie is just, like, it really does hold up how, you know, just, like, blindingly fucking fun and cool it is. But mm-hmm. it also... It, 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 it's it's very much also a Guillermo del Toro movie, because um, yes. Leia and I rewatched Crimson Peak earlier this week because we just were like, huh, I could, I could use some, uh, some gothic romance. Um, and it's nice that the most sexualized person in that movie is Tom Hiddleston. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> not Burn Gorman. No, Lie. another another movie that has both Burn Gorman and Charlie Hunnan. Actually, I just yeah, realized. Huh, right. no, that is. <laughs> I didn't make that what a weird, what a weird know. coincidence. Yeah, Del Toro uh, is that is just doing it for all of us. Back at it again. Yeah, yeah, good you for know, him. He he uh he he seems like one of those directors who knows who like like he has actors who have like a certain kind of vibe or are capable yeah. of like doing a certain kind of vibe yeah. and he's just Rob like Perlman no, is I not know in I crimson need. peak 
But he could have been. He absolutely could have been. (laughs) I think what Guillermo del Toro did is that he saw me when I was like 12 watching Torchwood, where Torchwood's thesis was like, what if Burton Gorman was like, what if we said he was hot and having sex with all yeah, of Yeah, what what if Burt Gorman just just had an uh, an amazing ability to get people to have sex with him? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I said and I said to that show amazing thesis, please continue. And Guillermo del Toro said, "I like that thesis and I like that you were bold enough to follow that thesis. I'm going to put him in all my movies." And I said, mm-hmm. "Thank you. I've stopped watching Torchwood now because it was not a very good show, but I appreciate you." And that's where we're at. For c- c- carrying on its its terrific legacy. Yes. Yes. Uh, I watched. I will, was... I'll, I'll stop interrupting you as, in a second. But I did watch the season four finale of Doctor Who the other day, where they do the crossover with all the different shows, and it's like Jack and Yanto and Gwen and Owen and Tosh are like freshly dead. They're just like not there. And I was like, this I is refuse. So I refuse to admit that they made anything. Pat, like I, I, I just like every time when I think of Torchwood now. Um, one, mm-hmm. I very much refuse to admit anything happened after, like, the, se- the series proper, but I also sort of just, like, refuse to admit that anybody died on Torchwood. Yeah, it's a good policy. <laughs> it's fine, yeah, don't worry about alive it. alive and alive and well and thriving. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah absolutely. God. Uh, yeah, no, so, so, rewatched Crimson Peak, which just... Yeah, it is, is, it's really fun to see movies that have a strong directorial sensibility where you don't feel like them having a strong directorial sensibility probably just ended in them being a shit show to work on. (laughs) It's, it's like, no, this is just an artistic vision that is strongly, you know, strong and well executed and does not give off the vibe that the director is an enormous ass hat. <laughs> <laughs> or or, you know, movies that are just sort of studio maintenance within an inch of their lives. Uh part of me wants to watch the Falcon and Winter Soldier series and another part of me is like, don't do it, you're just gonna be mad the whole time. Yeah. I remember we started watching Bridgerton. That was the thing oh. that was driving me fucking nuts. Oh, wild. Nuts. Okay, sure. Uh-huh. Jeez Louise. I was like, what is it? I know, man, that I watched a thing that had a plot for once, and that was what it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> We watch a lot of HGTV. I don't know what you want from me. That's <laughs> very fair. I respect that. Um, and, like, cooking shows. Because we're yeah. fun. Oh, and I also want- I, I, Leia and I also- We rewatched The Old Guard- um, which is not a good movie. Like, that movie is not good, but it has a cool, like, it just ultimately has a cool premise. And parts mm-hmm. of it are fucking fun. Uh, you know, I'm, and, and like, I can't believe, it's like, oh yeah, no, this is a Netflix movie or whatever, but like, actually the two big, like, romantic relationships, it's gay. They're all gay. Except for the French guy who's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Always a French guy who's just there and annoying. Yeah. 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 I don't know, I also have been, um, because I've just decided that I fucking say things like this on this podcast now and I can let go of it. I've been rereading a lot of just, like, various kinds of Obi-Wan Kenobi-centric fanfic, like, Star Wars fic. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been thinking really a lot about how, like, that's a- there's a lot of characters in Star Wars who have, like, a very strong impact on, like, the plot of the series. 
but there's also a very, very wide range of, like, ways that people characterize them in the, like, wider circle of Star Wars media, both official and fan-created, and how you can have a lot of, there are just, like, characters that you can have a lot of different takes on, like, who they are and how their, like, brains work, and as long as you, like, do the work of making them seem authentic in the setting that you're writing them in, you can just, like, kind of write them a lot of different ways. Uh, and then that just got me thinking about, like, I don't know, like, series media where the creative teams change over time and whether you stuff, like, stays feeling like the thing versus not feeling like the thing anymore. Not John Carpenter's the thing, but, you know, like... <laughs> Sorry, I, I started using that word too many times in the sentence, which kind of got away from me. Uh, but, you know, you brought up the, the Doctor Who universe and, like, stuff in the Doctor Who universe mm. that feels like it fits and stuff that doesn't. Um, I tried to watch Doctor Who class one time and I had no fucking idea what was going on the entire time. What is and that? I was like, Never mind. I it's some... <laughs> no, it's fine. Look it up later. It doesn't make any sense. My apologies to anybody who, like, likes it. Um... I don't think anybody watched it, so I doubt it. Anyway, yeah. I've been playing a lot of uh, Lego Lord of the Rings in a desperate bid to, like, feel like I'm accomplished, like, have a sense of accomplishment because most things in my life are, like, just, I do a lot of meaningless drudgery at work, so mm. sometimes you just gotta, like, smash a bunch of stuff in Lego games. Very Also, I, uh, I have those movies memorized, so they, like, will pull individual voice lines and my brain will just fill in the, like, three minutes of dialogue on either side. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, on to, on to Helena, who has, like, you know, an actual <laughs> <laughs> list of things. <laughs> I, I've been, because a couple of things I've been doing, I've, so my roommate, I think I may have mentioned this last time, she has a Disney Plus subscription, which is dangerous for all of us, um... I have been using it to rewatch, like, and and also watch for the first time ones that I just kind of missed the first time around, which is why I mentioned earlier that I'm excited to rewatch Who Framed Roger Rabbit because that is on my list of movies to rewatch. Um, nice. So I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, I rewatched Toy Story. Uh, I rewatched Coco with my roommates. I rewatched Monsters Inc. Um, Fuck yeah. I rewatched Bambi the other night. Um, which I swear to God, I haven't seen since I was like, I don't even remember the last time I saw Bambi. Um, and, uh, I also did a lot of, um, like watching classic movies that have been on my, like, I hate to call it a pile of shame, but like, I need to see this movie and I've been meaning to for a long time list. Um, so I watched The Red Shoes, um, which is from 1948, uh, and it was fucking incredible. Um, I watched... Uh, I watched the Muppet movie, um, which was great. <laughs> I'd never seen it before, um, and the cameos in it took me out. Uh, I saw, I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I watched The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I think that's how you pronounce it. My French is fake. Yes! Um, Sorry, I really <laughs> like that movie. It's a good fucking movie, okay? <laughs> it's such a beautiful movie, and the ending, oh my god, and she's so beautiful in it, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and the Red Shoes, I should say, is also just visually incredible. Um, there's a whole... Red Shoes, I think, is most famous. I The only other time I'd seen anything of it was in film class uh, 10 years ago. 
when we watched part of the ballet sequence and it which is like this long 15 minute sequence where she performs the uh the red shoes ballet and it, and it becomes a little bit um the the line between reality and uh and fiction blurs for a minute just in terms of the audience and it's incredible it's so cool um I watched the documentary Dick Johnson is Dead, which is on Netflix, uh, which I highly recommend to people if they enjoy crying. Um, I thought it was very good. Uh, I watched The 400 Blows, which is another movie that's long been on my uh, to-watch list. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was really, really, really good. I watched Brief Encounter, which is another one that's been on my to-watch list for a long time. It was gorgeous, and I cried a lot. (laughs) It was so romantic. Um, and I watched Wings of Desire, which is another movie that's been on my to-watch list for a long time, and that was really beautiful. Um, it did make me have a lot of feelings about, uh, Angels in America as well, um, and also, unfortunately, (laughs) Supernatural, which is just terrible and bad, um, because Wings of Desire is, We do be watching Supernatural. It's a good, it's, like, Wings of Desire is, like, such a beautiful work of art, and then Supernatural is, like, such a show that show is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> i just mm, like mm-hmm. i feel it so did be bad, a show but it is a show and i was thinking about it um and of course i also rewatched uh ferris bueller's day off um because i was feeling it and um mm-hmm. i love that movie so much i was thinking at the end of it or kind of while i was watching it like is this my favorite movie ever <laughs> i think this is maybe my favorite movie which I've, I've kind of been thinking about for a long time. Like, I know it's always been up there. Um, but it's just, like, it's it's just so perfect in its own special way. And I, I'll talk more about that when we get into the movies later in the uh, in the podcast. But um, that was a very enjoyable night for me. And, uh, yeah, I've been watching a bunch of TV shows. I finished my TOS, my original series of Star Trek, uh, first watch and rewatch. Um, and I started reading the Witcher books, uh, which I'm really enjoying and it's tiding me over until the show comes back in 2020 never. Um, so I don't know when that's going to be. I, every time like Netflix does that thing where they're like, oh, you're not watching anymore. Let me advertise some shows to you. And they like do trailers and then they're like, oh, it's the Witcher. Uh, it's coming back for a next, for a new season. It's, it is. We don't know we when. We promise. We it promise sure is. it is. I'm just sitting they there told us. Like, well, promises, promises. I made I a toss season. a coin to your Witcher joke uh, in the in the chat during a D and D session, and everybody was like, "I fucking hate you! I can't believe you got that song stuck in my head again." And I was like, <laughs> "Man, you you just have no concept of joy." <laughs> yeah, just deal with it. There was a time. Yeah, when have I fun. Was like, working the used book buying like like back when the first season came out last year when i was like still working at my job and that song was stuck in my head and literally all day to the point where i had to uh download it on my spotify and there it sits so (laughs) that is the truth about that song um yeah so that's what i've been watching a very very quick rundown of what i've been watching i would love to talk more about a lot of these movies at some point because they are a lot of them were masterpieces and I swear to God, if you could have heard me, as I was alone in, in my apartment when I was watching the Muppet movie, um, <laughs> and I was laughing uh, out loud uh, frequently at a lot of stuff. 
Um, and there was a specifically a cameo at the very end of the movie that I don't want to spoil for the very few people who haven't seen the Muppet movie, but I lost my entire fucking mind. It was so good. Um, God, and there, I love a... the Muppet movie so much. It's so good. There's a joke at the beginning of the movie that I think is perfect when uh, Fozzie Bear is there sitting in the audience and he's like, if I'm not funny in this movie, I don't, I don't know if I can live with myself. And what's his name? The scientist, not Beaker, but... Um, Oh, I can't remember his name. He says, oh, well, you'll have to get another apartment, won't you? And <laughs> I just, like, I was just laughing for five minutes after that. Anyway, I love the Muppets. <laughs> but I did sound like a crazy person because I was alone in my apartment by myself. <laughs> it's okay. That's how you know it wasn't just performative laughter. Yeah. Because you're just having have a little chuckle to yourself <laughs> at some Muppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. God, I fucking, I fucking love them, though. I'm just thinking about the time that I was watching the Muppet movie with Ben, and, like, Kermit came on screen, and I got genuinely, like, kind of choked up, because I love Kermit so yeah. much. And he oh was like, God. are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> I just really love Kermit. And he was like, I get it. And I'm like, yeah. yeah but, like, the beginning, <laughs> it, I love it him. like that. At the very beginning, when he just, it is he's like that. the swamp, and he's singing his little song, oh, and you're like, oh. it's just so perfect. He just wants to and Tom Dewey's like finds him in the middle of the swamp and he's like you know you could help people and that's like he's like oh I could help people with my music and my movies and it's just yeah it's all he wants to do he's such a perfect man he's a frog (laughs) we love a frog I love Kermit anyway I love Kermit T. Frog Uh, (laughs) oh my god we'll do a Muppet episode remember when we all had Kermit icons that yeah. was good. Yeah. Now Z is the only one left standing. <laughs> I'm. I the am. Only... I hardly ever change my Discord icon, uh, largely because I'm on enough Discords where people are like, "Quit changing your fucking icon! I can't tell who you are." I'm like, I have my goddamn name in my display. Suck it up. Yeah. Um But also, just I. Uh, nope. I am. I am not particularly inclined to give up. Uh, Kermit flipping you <laughs> off and smoking. Yeah. <laughs> What a good! It's such a good Kermit. Is it the is. thing. It's good All Kermit. Kermits are good Kermits. I mean, true. You're All so Kermits God, are you're good so Kermits. right. Cool. Uh, movies that made us movie people. So, boy, uh, we all did three very different takes on setting up our <laughs> lists. Um, I have a like bullet point list that I highlighted with movies I saw when I was young, and then movies I saw at a very specific like. In like 2012, 2013, like influential college era. Uh, and then Helmus has got like a list. And then yeah. Z has a list broken down by like genre, like why it's important. I love that we did three different things, but we have massive overlap. Yeah. <laughs> <in our> list. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> there are some Does, that I'm does just anyone like... have like a place they want to start? Oh my I god, know. I don't even know. We have, we have, this is so, I thought I was gonna have, like, a small list, and then I just went off. Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, I would like to propose that while, <laughs> while somebody is not the one talking, I can do it or somebody else can do it, but somebody should count up how many of these movies are on all three of our lists, and then how many of them are on at least two people's. Okay. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So we can, we got can, it? uh, okay. come up, we can come up with We can do that end. later. Yeah. Um... 
I mean, I could start first because I'm at the top. If we don't have Donuts. if we don't have somebody who particularly wants to go first, uh, so movies I, I saw at a young age, I'm just gonna list them all off and then go from there. Uh, by young, that means like anywhere before I graduated high school. So some of these I saw when I was a kid. Some of them I just saw when I was like in high school. I just kind of grouped that all together in my like impressionable age before I became an adult. And then there was a gap, and then there was like a very specific phase where I saw a bunch of movies that ended up being very impactful. So, movies I saw young, Hot Fuzz, It Shreds, Don't Come At Me, The Fall, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, but also all three of them, um, The Chronicles of Riddick, those three movies, I don't know what to tell you. Now, to be fair, with Chronicles of Riddick, I saw the second movie called Chronicles of Riddick, um, in high school because my dad showed it to me, but he didn't show me the first one. And then later, in my influential college age, my friend Higu showed me the first one. And then I saw the third one later on my own. So it was I, I came at them at a very weird stage. But I was first introduced in high school. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <clears throat> the, cat, the Cat Returns. Cats Don't Dance. Uh, Secondhand Lion, which, caveat, haven't seen that movie in a really long time. I don't know if it, it passes the test anymore. Uh, <laughs> what test is New that? Hope, but... The, the test of is it good and or is it problematic, um, uh. <laughs> which it might be. Uh, New Hope, but all of Star Wars, uh, Jurassic Park, Sublike and Hot, Dead Poet Society, and Fight Club, uh, mm. which I saw when I was like 17, the ideal time to watch Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so true, and then, though. Uh, for, for the college age, this was like... I'm not going to go too deep into my personal history, but, like, after I left my first college, I was there for, like, a year, then there was kind of an in-between, and then started at my second college, and, like, going into my time at my second college, um, where I saw, uh, the first Silent Hill movie, I know it's not good, don't at me, um, Pacific Rim, Dread, Casablanca, uh, the new Casino Royale in Skyfall, Summer Wars, Sunshine, Alien, The Thing, and Billy Elliot. Um, honorable mentions to Real Steel, which I saw in that college era, which is, like, not a great movie, but, like, is 100% rule of cool, and I remember watching it and being like, everything about this has me hyped to hell and back. I'm just amped about everything happening in this movie. I've never felt anything like that ever again. <laughs> Hugh Jackman is a dad, and there's robot boxing. Um, and then Princess Bride, which, like, is in a weird space where, like, I don't know if it was necessarily influential in the way I approach movies, but, like, something about it is, like, now looking back as an adult, I'm, like, that movie is, like, really a good piece of craft, and also I loved it a lot as a kid, so it's in kind of a weird middle space, where I don't know if it's important mm -hmm. for me, like, personally in terms of movie stuff, but it's important, like, emotionally and also separately in terms of film craft, so, I don't know, uh... That's kind of my my list. Um, are there any, any ones on there that uh, that you want to feel that you, that you want to feel? Are there any ones on there that you want to elaborate more on? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a few. Um, I, a lot of them we've already kind of talked about. Like we don't need to talk mm -hmm. about Lord of the Rings or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang <laughs> or like I don't. We probably talked about Jurassic Park a lot. Um, but I I think I'm going to talk about like specifically the ones in that like college age. Because that was right when, that was a time in my life. Um, but specifically, I had, like, dropped out of my first college. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was, like, living at home. I wasn't going to school. 
Um, and I was like, I don't know, like, I, I, there was this, like, I don't know if this was self-imposed or what, but I was like, I have to go back to school. I was, like, doing online college in between, and I had, like, done a film class, and I was kind of at this point where I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. Um, and I was thinking about, I was, like, sitting on my childhood bedroom floor, like, thinking about, like, what am I gonna do? I don't feel like there's anything that's, like, me, that's, like, mine, and I was like... Mm -hmm. But I really love movies, and for and I don't. I've never told you this, Helena. But I I remember thinking like, yeah, but like movies are Helena's thing, and I was like, well, why why can't it be both of your thing? And I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it could be both of our thing, couldn't it? Um, I know. Yeah, there was that moment where I was like, well, yeah, but it could also be my thing, uh, and that was just an eye opener. And that's when I started at my second college, uh, pursuing a film degree. Um, and then dropped out of that college. <laughs> um, but that was, like, a very much a turning point of, like, me realizing that I could, like, just study film and, like, the craft of it and making them and writing them and all that stuff. Uh, which is something I had kind of been, like, halfway interested in, but I was like, eh, that's not really for me. And then I was like, well, why can't it be for me? Um, and And so during that time, I was consuming, like, uh, I saw... I was studying Casablanca for a class. I think I'd seen it before, but I, like, studied it specifically for a class and, like, got really into it. Um, and, like, Silent Hill was one of the... Silent Hill actually came, actually, my first go-around to college, so it was the earliest of this group. But, like, was part of me realizing that I really like horror as a genre, was, like, watching that movie and, like, being able to sit through it, which was something that would I would not have been able to do when I was younger. Um, and, like, I wrote a final paper on Skyfall, uh, for a film class, and, like, uh, w people showing me things, like, uh, Higu specifically showed me a bunch of these, was, like, you gotta watch Alien, you gotta watch The Thing, things that, like, I just had never really watched before, um, and ended up being very influential in the things, like, what do I care about in film, what do I find interesting, what do I look for, what are, like, storytelling conventions I find compelling, what are visual things I find compelling, um, and a lot of the movies on that, like, I highlighted it in pink, uh, that, that pink list are, like, cover different points, so, like, Dread is, like, very, like, what I look for visually in terms of world building, um, and then, like, the thing is what I look for in, like, dramatic tension, uh, and, like, cinematography, um, and the other ones were very much, like, mostly, inter like, what I look for in, like, stories, because I always loved stories, I think everyone does, but, like, was always making up stories, and, like, the earlier movies were, like, things that were, like, building blocks for me creating my own, um, and then from, like, the other set of movies are, like, film specific like yeah these things influenced like what do I like how do I like to tell stories and then like the second list is influencing like v how do I tell stories but less in a writing perspective and more in a visual filmmaking perspective um that got away from me and I don't know if I was able to convey my thought very clearly <laughs> uh no that makes but sense but I I, I Okay, good. I, I don't know if I have anything, like, <laughs> specifically outside of those. It's like, this one specifically did this, and I want to go into it more, because they're all, like, little pieces of the building blocks that formed my, like, the way I consume film. You know, it wasn't just one that was the turning point. It was kind of all of them together uh, that 
were really important um, in, in a variety of different ways. And some of them I haven't seen in a while. Uh, like, I haven't seen Dead Poet Society since, like, middle school, and it's one of those things where, like, I know at some point I'm gonna go back to it, but, and so, same with, like, Some Like It Hot. Actually, I haven't seen that movie in years, but, like, the fact that it's, like, stands out so clearly in my memory of something that, like, blew my mind fucking open uh, is, I think, really notable. So, that was kind of how I categorized my list and how I was thinking about, like, things that made me a movie person. Fuck yeah. I, by the way, I did make a list of uh, what ones appear most on, or what what movies appear more than once. Um, yes. Excellent. That <laughs> oh, let's do, let's, for, let's let's do all of end. ours, okay. and we can wrap up with that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my thought. Who wants to go next? <sighs> Unless there are any questions about my list, I guess. I, this doesn't have to be us, like up at the front of the the classroom, like, here's my presentation, and then everyone claps politely, and then I sit down. Like, I don't know. Um, I, you know, here's one. I don't think I, I know I've heard you mention the name of the film Summer Wars before, but I don't yeah. know that I actually know what it's about. Or Sure. Like, and so I just, can you talk a little bit more about that one? Because yeah. if I have heard you talk about it in the past... A uh, handshake meme brain like a sieve. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Summer Wars is a animated film, and I'm forgetting the it's it's uh, from Japan, and I'm forgetting the company that made it. Uh, but it the idea is it is a uh, a guy who agrees to as like a summer job. Uh, the girl he likes at, at school is like, hey, can you come with me to my family reunion and pretend to be my boyfriend because my Family is expecting me to bring somebody home, um, and I just need somebody. And he's like, uh, yeah, okay, uh, and goes to this, like, ancestral home with, like, a billion family members, and kind of overlay it on top of that is this is a world where there is a, like, program called Oz, where every piece of, like, society infrastructure runs through this. So, like, people are, like, holding meetings, people are, like, doing school stuff. Uh, it is also, like, people are, like, gaming through there. It's a massive part of everyday infrastructure, and it controls a lot of different things. Um, and so there is a two-layer of this, like, very sweet, like, family drama movie about, like, grief and, uh, like, the kind of cracks that form in a large family, but also, like, people coming together and community. And on top of that, it is also a, like, tech th kind of a thriller where, like, obviously shit starts to go sour in this, like, big, massive infrastructure and how the two weave together. And it's almost entirely set both in the virtual world and in this, like, massive country home. Um, that has, like, a lot of children running underfoot, and, like, it's, it's, it sounds like it's a high-tech, it's action thriller, but it's, like, not really, it's, like, the pacing is incredible, it's very sweet, um, it's, like, it's funny, it's, I love Summer Wars, it's one of those things where it's, like, even if you don't like anime, I recommend people watch Summer Wars, um, I cry every time. The last time I watched it was right after I found out that someone uh, influential in Helen and I's young life passed away, and I, like, was like, I can't work today. And I watched that movie, uh, which is a movie about, like, 
someone passes away, uh, and I cried a lot. Um, it's, it's so good. And that had a really big influence on, like, visual, because the animation is just incredible, and the colors are great, and, like, the way that the world building feels like our, like, modern day world on top of this, like, I guess not so distant future, uh, where, like, everything is run through this, like, virtual infrastructure, uh, where everyone has, like, virtual avatars that they run around in, um, mm. like, those, the, also the combination of two juxtaposed ideas that fit very naturally together, um, was, like, really cool to me, and, like, it, it, there's never a point where it, like, feels disconnected, or you feel, like, taken out of that world, it, it is presented in a very natural way, where you just buy into the bit, like, immediately. Huh. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it a bunch, because I have a Blu-ray of it on my DVD shelf, and I'm sure I was, like, <laughs> do you want to want to, I don't think I ever was, like, do you want to watch Summer Wars, but I would be, like, God, I fucking love Summer Wars. I, it's, like, yeah, I mean, I, I remembered you saying the name of it, but I couldn't remember what, and that, that, you, listening you talk about it, I'm, like, oh, yeah, that is such a Maddie movie. Um, cause it's, yes. well, but like, it's got, it's, you really like movies that have our genre films, but are all, like, genre films with strong emotional underpinnings. Yeah, exactly. The, the idea of a, like, a genre film that has, like, a kind of a sci-fi tech thriller aspect, but it's also about, like, a family that loves each other uh, yeah. is like, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I'm trying to find a, find a good gif of it so I can share it with, with the class. Check, checks notes, uh, Pacific Rim, fucking real steel. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Just, yep. a, just a bunch of them. Sunshine in kind of a fucked up way. Yeah, sunshine in a weird way. Uh, it, uh, genre filmed through the I lens really of I really have got people. to show you guys Event Horizon pretty soon yes please <laughs> you're i i think you're really gonna like it well hell yeah that's dope oh man i also like <sighs> dead poet society when you watch dead poet society and you're like 14 and you don't know you're gay yet um mm. and you like can't really figure out why you're like you know, like, obviously you're very, like, under, like, you, you know, like, you already understand the dream of, like, being an artist is a really, like, rough one to go after, and you, like, understand when, like, adults in your life are, like, uh, like, no, like, you shouldn't do that because it's, like, a, a rough way to make a living, but then there's also this other aspect of it that you just, like, can't put your finger on, but you're like, oh, it's more than that, it feels like it hurts worse, and I can't really figure out why, and then you think about it like ten years later, and you're just like, "Cause you're gay." Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I know. I was gonna say, "Is that just me?" But I speak for literally all three of us. <laughs> I think yep. about this constantly. That um, I'm trying to think about what role it is. Oh, I think it was. I think it was that role. I think it was um, the character that Robert Sean Leonard plays. Um, River Phoenix almost played that part and oh now, fuck off yeah so now i love robert sean leonard in that part i think he's uh beautiful and tragic um but the 
idea of um, River Phoenix playing that makes me want to scream. (laughs) Um, That would have been yeah. Like Robert Sean Leonard does all the right things in that movie, but like. Oh, River Fiend. <laughs> I just think Fuck. about, I, I did, in a brief tangent, watch uh, My Own Private Idaho for the first time um, last summer. And the campfire scene with <clears throat> him and Keanu, where he's just like, I love you and you don't hate me. Like, oh my god, guys. <laughs> he was so good. Um, he was so wonderful. Um, anyway, yeah. this is not a, not a getting sad about River Phoenix episode although it could be but it won't i mean i don't know but we'll integral parts of uh, stuff making uh stuff that makes us movie people i'd be mm-hmm. sad about river phoenix can be one of them mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to go next uh yeah sure i can i can go next um so i kind of divided my list up into like the sort of flavor of impact that stuff had on me rather than trying to go chronological because my sense of like an int- like a personal chronology is just absolute garbo. Uh, I have none Re- relative relative timing of shit in my like personal history. Uh, I I don't know her. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I guess like I some of the like oldest ones are just kind of like the first movies that I really distinctly remember making me, like, cry because I was sad or hide behind the couch because uh, I was scared or something like that. The idea that, like, uh, like a, a movie could make you, like, make enough of an emotional impact to make me, like, physically do something in response to it. Um, I, fucking The Lion King, which I was obsessed with as a, like, you know, very small child and also i one of my earliest memories is of hiding behind the fucking couch during the uh stampede because it scared the shit out of me um it's that in the uh, episode of star trek the next generation where everybody evolves backwards and uh wharf turns into a lizard mm. um <laughs> i had to hide behind the tv until my dad came and turned that one off because <laughs> i was so scared of it but also like um the funeral scene in Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I had seen cut up for te- like which I saw cut up for television a bazillion times before I saw it for real, and every single time because my parents just really liked that movie, and so they would sort of be channel flipping and stop and watch part of it, and like I just would cry every single time. Um, and same with Dead Poet Society, which is like that was one of those movies where I had this like big outsized emotional reaction to it. And like, I wasn't really like sure why, but it just, the idea that like a piece of media could make that kind of impact really like, you know, whacked me upside the head and was like movies, a thing to pay attention to and think about a lot. Um, and then I got really like kind of up my own ass about like theater being like the purest form of like act like storytelling through like pretending um and then i have like movies that were like okay that that really made me think about like things that film as a medium can do that you can't do in any other medium 
Um, which, like, The Fall, which obviously we've talked about 80 bazillion times on this podcast, and we will talk about 80 bazillion more times on this podcast, and it will deserve every minute of audio time we give it. Um, but, like, I I watched The Fall. Uh, I, I conned my parents into uh, getting it in the mail from Netflix, because Netflix used to mail you DVDs for all you Gen Zers out there. Uh, <laughs> right, my parents Grandma, were like... Let's get you to bed. <sighs> Look, it has been established. I'm not old. I'm ancient and unknowable. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also only 29. Um, But I, like, my parents were like, okay, that was kind of weird. And I took the DVD downstairs and watched it again immediately because I needed to, like, I needed to, like, see how they did stuff. Um, Because the, the way that you could have a story that you could have put on a stage and a story that you could never have put on a stage in the same movie at the same time was just like, oh, okay, this is two, like, very different things that are existing in the same space. I have to, like, I have to, like, look really closely at how they fit together. Or, like, um, the fucking plot twist in Atonement just, uh, annihilated Mm. me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in a theater when I was like whatever age I saw that in a theater with and I my, I went from being incredibly uncomfortable because I was sitting next to my mom and the sex scene was like you know filmed in such a way as to be like actually sensual as opposed to just uh, like off-putting um, and I was like oh wow Kira Knightley has legs oh god I'm sitting next to my mom <laughs> um and then another another big like like reveal uh because of the way film lets you like kind of cut back and see the same thing from a different angle and you, you know there's not really any other way to like do that other than with film because of film you know because of the way you can edit film it's malleable uh the sting like which I've watched a gazillion times and uh, I love the twist every time the sting whips um and uh the the reveal uh this one very specific moment in the pianist um which i think i've mentioned on the show before where uh the titular character um spielman is is sitting he he's like in hiding from the nazis in this apartment that has a piano um and he, he you know he hasn't been in in uh, you know 500 yards of a piano for years and he's a he's a concert pianist like this is his whole life and you but he can't play it because nobody can know that he's there like if he if he plays it like the nazis will find him and he'll be murdered um and the camera like you 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 it starts outside the door and you hear piano music and you're like oh fuck he's lost it like he's he's just he's given up he started playing and it, it follows this it winds through the apartment you hear the music and you see him sitting at the piano bench and you're like totally horrified and it pans down and his fingers are like over the keys and he's just imagining the music in his head wow. um and i was fucking the lord um yeah <sighs> I need yeah. to see that movie so bad. Please, I still haven't yeah, seen it, I'm like, and I it's, got it's chills been... with you describing that. <sighs> it's been, let's see, I watched it for the first time when I was in 8th grade, so it's probably been long enough that I'm emotionally ready to watch The Pianist again. 
Um, it's a lot. Uh, it's not, you know, the, I could do a whole, like, mini episode on the sort of storytelling ethics of, of movies about the Holocaust. Um, and, you know, is, is there, can you ever have such a thing as, like, an ethical, like, fictional thing? Anyway, I don't need to go down that rabbit hole right now, but, um, it, like, that moment in that movie was, like, getting hit in the head with, like, a fucking, like, intellectual frying pan. Like, I just was like, oh, oh, this is the kind of thing that you can do. It was just, you know, like, all it was, it was another, like, really crystalline moment of this is why people write PhD theses about movies, <laughs> you know. Th this is why this is a whole intellectual, like, discipline. This is why people argue about movies in the newspaper, and I disagree with absolutely all of them. Um... <laughs> Someday I'll find a film critic I trust, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, and then, like, I don't know. I've got, like, movies. Then, then, then there were sort of, like, just, like, movies that were, like, hey, like, not everything has, like, Hollywood, like, American Hollywood sensibilities. Um, basically, which I, I realized that this list is just shit that was, like, hey, actually, you really like British indie film dipshit. Because this list is just Billy Elliot in Bruges and God's Own Country. I mean, in Bruges is an Irish movie, not a British movie. But, um, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, Martin McDonough. Um, but Billy Elliot was the first, uh, R-rated movie I ever saw. Uh, and I watched it in my, in, like, my friend's basement. I did not tell my parents. And so it, it had this, this really fun thing where, like, so much of that movie is about finding finding a way to express yourself in a thing that your parents don't approve of and i was literally seeing like f seeing this thing that spoke to me that was me like doing something secretive that my parents wouldn't have approved of if they'd known about it um i can't ballet dance to save my goddamn life um but i sure can watch movies with a lot of gay subtext in them <laughs> um and then like just kind of movies that like a lot like maddie's list like movies that sort of like let me kind of establish a a sort of set of parameters for like what i care about in movies rather than just like what is you know my not necessarily like my like critical eye because that's a little different but my just what i like like my taste rather than my critical eye um which like i will force people to fucking watch Lawrence of Arabia with me like when we were 17 or whatever i was like no watch Lawrence of Arabia people were like it's four fucking hours i'm like i don't care it's pretty <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about it. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is, like, fully a third of my, like, verbal humor is just directly related to that uh, movie. Lord of the Rings, uh, Master and Commander. Lawrence Arabian, Master and Commander being two movies in which there are no women with speaking roles. Um, oops. 
<laughs> um, Casablanca, which uh, I made a bunch of people, my friends from high school, come over and watch a double feature of Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon. Um, I don't know why anybody said yes, but they did. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm 16 or whatever. And yeah, I am going to be that, like, that guy who's like, no old movies are good. <laughs> um. Oh, and then um, when I was in, like, middle school, I watched the first, like, half an hour of The Sixth Sense at a friend's house. Um. And then I had to go home, like, because it was school night or something. And I did not turn the TV back on for whatever reason and finish watching The Sixth Sense. Also, you know, I, like, missed 20 minutes of it and, like, DVR didn't exist. Um, I would have had to call my parents and tell them to start recording it on a, uh, on the VCR. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, I love dating myself. Mostly that's just because my family are Luddites and refuse to adapt to new recording technology for a million years. Um, but I, so I just was like, okay, I'm just gonna not watch the rest of that movie. And then my friend the next day at school was like, assumed that I had gone and watched the rest of the film and like was like, oh, could you believe the, you know, big fat spoiler for the twist in uh, The Sixth Sense? And I went, huh. And I thought, okay, I don't care about finishing that movie. And it's not because the twist is ruined. It's because... I just decided then and there that I don't like movies where the whole point is a plot twist. Um, mostly I just think it's a funny story. <laughs> and then... You know. Then I got on Tumblr. Um, and that was a bad idea, but, you know, it's a thing that happened. Unfortunate. <sighs> Yeah, well, you know, it worked out pretty tragic for me in the end. But <laughs> <laughs> there was this, you know, Tumblr subculture of, like, sort of, f- not necessarily faux intellectual, but, like, pop intellectual movie criticism, which was just, like, dissecting the shit out of movies mostly featuring vaguely homoerotic relationships between white men. Um, it was like, it was like the, like, film 101 aesthetic criticism version of the Traveling Slash fandom. (laughs) And I didn't care about the Traveling Slash fandom, but I really wanted to be, like, fluent in dissecting, like, the aesthetics and composition of film in the way that, like, the cool kids were. So I spent a bunch of time thinking about stuff that I like, didn't actually care that much about in retrospect or, like, that hasn't stuck with me. Like, Inception, don't care about Inception anymore, sorry. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is functionally a perfect film and I still love it, so I stand by the amount of time I spent thinking about that movie. Um, And then, like, I don't know, I remember, like, Kill Your Darlings was big. Skyfall, which is fucking awesome, and I don't regret the amount of time I spent talking about that either on the internet. Um, The Social Network, which I just don't like and never have. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Tragic. Yeah. Um, And then, oh, and then, like, movies that sort of made me, like, make peace between my, like, theater nerd brain and my film nerd brain. Which is, in fact, movies that are like, oh, yeah, no, you can adapt 
plays in a way that respects the source material and is also a good movie. Um, and it's the History Boys and Henry V. Ken mm. and Henry V. I will die on this fucking hill. Um, but we already know that I will die on the hill of Ken Branagh Shakespeare adaptations. I don't need to say it again. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and special shout out to Dunkirk. Which, um, I sort of intellectually understood why people wanted to shoot things in 70mm and then show them in 70mm. But, uh, then Maddie and I went to go see Dunkirk in 70mm at, uh, whatever theater that was in Portland. Was that the Hollywood? We saw it at the Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were sitting up front (sighs) close to the side and the sound blew our fucking brain off. Yeah, it was just like... (laughs) I you you could you could feel the spit like the the audio track from the Spitfire engines like vibrating through your seat and into your skeleton. Um and it, it is was like one of the most intense film experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Yeah, spectacular and and utterly overwhelming and I was like, "Ah, uh, I've like never needed to stand right next to the amp at a rock concert before, but now I want to stand right next to the amp at a rock concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my. Uh, I'm really glad that I organized these by topic. Yeah, I wish that I had done something similar, but I just kind of I found stuff that I don't know. I had a lot of these are ones that I have kind of personal connections to, or I associate them with being yeah. important because I like. They came to me in such a serendipitous way. But I'll do a quick rundown through the list. I'm not going to talk about all of them extensively. Um, but I organized by an alphabetical order because I work at a bookstore. Um, I did... <laughs> God, <laughs> Helen, I love your brain. Before you start, does anybody have any questions they want to ask me? Because we ask many questions. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I, I, this is I true. just messing with about... you. You don't have to ask me questions. <laughs> But I do want to just briefly say, "Kill Your Darlings." Uh, that was a time in my life. Uh, that that's that movie to me. It came out in 2012. It seems to me to be, or I I think it came out in 2012, 2013 maybe. It seems to me very representative of a time uh, that era of Tumblr. It's 2013. I'm a fucking idiot. Okay. Yeah, because um, it was it was the predecessor to the dark academia horseshit. Well, and it's also because Good Daniel Lord. Radcliffe was in it, and he plays yeah. Yeah. Ginsburg, True. and Dane DeHaan. Yeah, and he looks, looks like he a Draco looks more Malfoy like XB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and they make yes, out. Yeah. And um, it's a thing. It's not. I saw that movie. Once <laughs> when I was so depressed, I wasn't like making memories um, with the a friend of mine who I had a like ridiculous crush on, and I mostly <laughs> watched it because she liked it, um, yeah. which I feel like is like fairly appropriate for Kill Your Darlings. Uh-huh. That <laughs> sounds right. Yeah, you know that's that is perfect. There is some good performances in it. I think that Dane DeHaan is uh, quite good in it. Um, and what the fuck is I'm gonna have to look up what the fuck Dane DeHand is like up to. He's he's doing. I thought you were gonna say what he's what he's been in. I was gonna be like, uh, he was in the Andrew Garfield Spider Man movies. <laughs> so say. he got one. Um, excuse me. Um, uh, yeah, just, excuse just, just, me. Oh, the, both of you have forgotten that I never actually saw either of the. Uh, it's okay. We Andrew saw Garfield Spider Man movies. I own the first um, one on DVD. He was uh, in so. that terrible science fiction uh, movie with Cara Delevingne. Oh, um, mm-hmm. So excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that looked um, obviously that looked awful, but also like visually it looked like it whipped, and I kind of want to watch it. Oh my yeah, god, what is it called? It 
It's something stupid. Um, uh, something something Leia with a thousand that? planets. Yes, something like that. Something like that. Valeria. Valerian, uh, oh. that I think Leia. Sexual. I feel like Leia saw it at some I mean, point, and like sometimes we talk like about the kind it. of movie that Leia would have seen. Babe, I love you. It's based on a graphic novel, <laughs> I think. I mean, anyway, I wanted to go see it. Um, he was I supposed didn't. to be playing like a sixteen-year-old <gasps> or something, and I was like, okay. God, I forgot about Chronicle. Man, what a time. Um, <laughs> I think you were saying that reaction to my 16-year-old comment, and I was like, oh, no. a bit dramatic. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about him. Yeah, I was thinking about the movie Chronicle. Mm. Um, Chronicle. Uh-huh. One of the many uh, uh, shit-tier movies I watched when I... Not shit-tier. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Michael B. Jordan is in it. It's fine. It's um, fine. Can anything that Michael B. Jordan is in actually be a shit tier movie, or does I think he automatically automatically like at least slightly out of shit tier? Yeah, Yeah, this is this is true. Um, Like if nothing else, you got to look at you got to like appreciate Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, I love that Skyfall is in your like weird Tumblr fandom movies because that is so not my emotional association with it. And also, I didn't. I wasn't like I didn't see that. Oh, f- I was like, what was even the ship? Was it him and, and the, him and the villain? And I was like, no, it was him and Q. God, oh, cowards. Yeah. I hate was, them. I hate them so much. The only part of it I cared about was him and the... The good part of the fandom was him and the villain. The bad part of the fandom was him and Q. And the galaxy yeah. brain part of the fandom was um, Ray Fiennes, M, and Tanner. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, that <laughs> which was, was my where I lived. Of the uh, the following film, which uh, I guess was Spectre, which yeah, otherwise is not a very good movie. I still have Spectre not seen. Sucks, yeah. only, except except that one part where it's like Andrew Scott is like terrorizing Q and oh my god, and I Ray forgot Fines and Tanner and like a bunch of them and like and they're like they're they're having their own little adventure while fucking James is off doing God knows what. I don't care. So it might. <laughs> They're having their own little thing, and Andrew Scott's being campy and Irish, and I'm like, this is delightful. If this is the whole movie, let's just do that for two and a half hours. (laughs) I'm Um, gonna watch Spectre again, but just that part, I swear to God. Okay, well, I haven't seen it, and I gotta- tragically, I have to see it, so- I feel like we're watching it again just for that part, because goddamn delightful. Yeah. Um, okay, so- Yeah. Okay, let me see if I can go through this. We Um, we got to- Yeah. We got to go. <laughs> we got to go. Uh, so I made this list. Let's read it. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Contact, uh, Eyes Without a Face, Fanny and Alexander, Fargo, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Fall, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Henry V, Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, of course. Um, you kept talking and, and reminding me of things as you were talking, so I put... No, I, I, I and like, also happened to me. You kept typing, both of you kept <laughs> typing and reminding me of shit. Also, I, I also didn't mention Brokeback Mountain. We, I know! I know! I was like, how did I not mention Brokeback Mountain? A movie I've seen once, but literally changed my life. I can't, I can't even. Also, the Oceans <laughs> movies. What the fuck? Okay, Man. continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're fine. Jaws, uh, In Bruges, The Iron Giant, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Lion King, um, Little Miss Sunshine. What was here in this long ellipses that I typed? Oh, it was Pirates of the Caribbean. I think you, originally um, you typed that for Pirates, I recall. Yeah, it's the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Not Little Miss Sunshine, <laughs> Mulan. Which is uh, good. Which is good. Uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie is good, but. It's also good. 
It's also good. Uh, Princess Bride, Rear Window, uh, Robin Hood, the Disney Robin Hood from the 1970s. Uh, Sleeping Beauty, the Disney Sleeping Beauty. A lot of these are going to be animated. Um, Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. Uh, Star Trek First Contact, Toy Story, The Witches slash Labyrinth, and Weekend. So I'm not going to go deep into all of that. But there's some of these that have like stories attached to them that I'm very fond of. Um, Can I ask a quick question before you do that? Please. What, so you put Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke together, obviously because yep. they are both Studio Ghibli movies. Why is The Witches and Labyrinth together? Because they were the two movies that I, besides Scooby-Doo movies, because it is a given that I used to rent Scooby-Doo movies from the video store, from Blockbuster slash Hollywood Theater when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Besides that, mm-hmm. um, The Witches and Labyrinth were like the two movies that I rented all the fucking time as a kid and ah. just watched over and over I was in love with that. And they were very uh, similar because they were both like Jim Henson movies. They came out within a few years of each other, but like not super close. Labyrinth is is an 80s movie, which just came out in 1990. So it's like just on the border of that. Um, But I remember being very into like creepy, weird stuff, not weird stuff, but just like creepy stuff as a kid Um, in a way that I could get like none of my friends to be into. And like I was, I read Coraline when that came out. Uh, the book uh, Coraline came out uh, when I was in third grade, and that scared the hell out of me. But I was in love with it, and all of my friends hated it because it was so scary. So I was like alone in in like watching these movies um, that I just appreciated because I liked I don't know, I liked how creepy they were, and I liked the use of puppetry as well. Um, and of course there was the fact that Labyrinth has, uh, Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie in it, um, which we all know the reason why that is influential. Um, and other than that, I would say like Sleeping Beauty, um, I owned Sleeping Beauty on VHS when I was a kid and, uh, on a lot of those early like vhs uh, disney movies they had the special features just after the movie just like just in case you wanted to watch it and there was a behind the scenes featurette um that showed uh, just like the making of sleeping beauty and it showed a lot of footage of them painting the cells like hand painting the cells putting the paint into the trees and i was so mesmerized by it and like how the paint looked on the cell and putting all the cells together and the footage of them uh having the actors act out the scenes on a soundstage because like to, to learn how to animate it, I like distinctly like the battle at the end of sleeping beauty where he's killing Maleficent as a dragon, um, having him, having the actor like climb to the top of this like pile of blocks, basically in this, like having a sword on so they could just learn like, okay, study how he has to hold his you know arm and everything like that. Uh, the actress playing Sleeping Beauty, like, put her in that costume, have her dance a bit so we can study how her hair moves, how the dress moves. Um, I was so obsessed with that behind-the-scenes thing. And I remember uh, just re-watching Bambi the other night that there was definitely one of those on the Bambi VHS, too, because there's something that they do in the forest scenes in Bambi where they, like, uh, they were putting the, the cells on top of each other to create, or something. They were doing something innovative with the cells to create that depth of, like, the the uh depth of field in the in the animated movie so they could like here's one cell we're putting that on top of the other cell on top of the other cell um which was you know something that they had already been doing uh in live action but like was kind of innovative at the time for animation and i was like oh that's so cool (laughs) as a kid i'm like i'm so into this 
Um, and I still think that Sleeping Beauty is just one of the most gorgeous and underrated Disney movies ever. Um, and uh, I just that is love it uh, so much. My mom's favorite Disney movie. Hell yeah, she has yeah. good taste. So I like watched it. I I remember like watching that with her when I was like she like made sure that I watched that one was it when I I was a kid because she it had been her favorite Disney movie when she was a kid yeah because that's how long those have been around which is pretty wild <laughs> exactly Sleeping Beauty came out the year my dad was born <laughs> yeah um, not saying not being a like haha my mom's old but just being like the the like Disney owning everything is bad but like sometimes the cultural continuity element of that is fun yeah Sleeping Beauty rules it's so good also sleeping beauty just fucking rules i used to be very scared by but like delightfully terrified by um the scene in which maleficent appears in the fireplace and i think that part of what the movie does so well is because it relies so heavily on the tchaikovsky score uh to inspire Mm -hmm. the animation it's like the marriage of music and uh visuals and that is so well done and it's just like that haunting like Almost the almost the Jaws theme, like hinting at her arriving in the fireplace, and then all of a sudden she just appears, um, and it's just oh, it's so creepy. Uh, yeah, I love that movie. Um, some other ones on here uh, in Bruges. <laughs> I think I talked about this. Like I watched this one time when I was in high school, and I decided that I was in the International Baccalaureate Program. And we had to write an essay, and I had never written an essay. I decided that I wanted to write my uh, extended essay on film, even though I had never written an essay on film before. And my teacher was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, I was like, yes. And she was like, please read a book about how to write a film essay. And I was like, I shall not do that, and I will get a D on this essay. And so I did. Um, but I decided I wanted to write my essay on it, and so part of why I know it so well is because I spent so much of my senior year just sitting on my my parents' computer and watching it scene by scene and breaking it down and examining all the little bits of visual and textual foreshadowing, and I'm still discovering things years later, and, like, part of the reason that I think my essay wasn't very good it's clear, I just really wanted to talk about how good of a movie in Bruges was. So I was like, and then this part happens, which later foreshadows this thing and blah, 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 blah. And it just wasn't, it was just me gushing about the movie. A lot of, a lot of the times couched in like semi-academic language, it wasn't really an essay about. And now I'm comparing the use of location and film noir and modern neo-noir in terms of in Bruges and Fargo and Lady Killers. It wasn't that kind of a, that good of an essay. Um, but I love in Bruges. Um, a lot of these movies I'm realizing as I was writing this are about like how important dialogue was to me or how the, the dialogue beats in a movie or the plot beats in a movie always, um, have a huge impact on me. Like story beats specifically, I was looking at Contact and Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean was like the first time I think I ever noticed like story beats in a movie or how the plot was guiding you and um like they actively noticed it um and there's like some other stuff in here like the dialogue in so much of these movies like fargo and ferris bueller's day off and four weeks in the funeral the incredibles uh jaws and bruges like all of these kiss kiss bang bang like little miss sunshine it's all like so embedded in my brain that i think like memorable dialogue is such a huge thing for me um 
And I don't know if that's like a theater person thing, but like, it's so important to a movie being uh, one of my favorites for some reason. Um, there's some other stuff in here. Eyes Without a Face, uh, I watched for the first time when I... Uh, there's a site called Mubi, M-U-B-I, which is a, a streaming site slash um, like movie review site. And now you do have to like, there are some like subscription options where you can watch movies for free if you're a student. Um, but now you have to pay to stream certain movies. Um, but back in, back in my day, uh, back in, I think this is 2010 or 2011, they were offering a few movies for free. A lot of which were movies that happened to be, uh, in the Criterion collection at the time. And I wish I'd taken uh, advantage of that more because, uh, there were some really good movies on there. But the movie that I chose to watch on there was Eyes Without a Face, which is the French horror film. Uh, from 1960 and I I think I just I have such a fond memory of that movie because I felt so cool for watching it and that's such a horrible thing to say but like I it was kind of like having this secret movie that it was also happened to be a horror movie so there's an extra element of like forbiddenness to it even though I was 17 fucking years old um, but having this secret movie that nobody else in my life had seen like my parents hadn't seen it and I had never heard of it before that point um, and it was kind of like this personal relationship with it. Um, I love those kinds of experiences where you can just be with yourself with the movie. <laughs> um, and I, sadly, I was just thinking about your point about Inception, Ezra, like, <laughs> that's like one of my most memorable movie going experiences is when my parents and I went to see Inception and they were like, mm. and I was like, that was fun. Can I go see it again? And they're like, we're not going to go see it again. You can go by yourself and I was like I can go to a movie by myself and I walked to, to the Roseway and saw Inception again within like two days by myself and there's like two other people in the movie theater um it was pretty sad but uh I had a really good time with it um uh, and that's my relationship with Eyes Without a Face and Inception um there's a couple other on here like Fanny and Alexander was one of those like foreign movies that I put on our Netflix queue because I wanted to see movies that were on the IMDb top 250. And I think it was one of the first, I think it was one of the first foreign films that I watched or certainly one of the first movies that was in a foreign language. And it, the pace was so different and the, the style of storytelling was so different uh, to what I was used to watching uh, at that age. I think I was like 14 um, mm. and it was so mesmerizing and otherworldly. Like I, I, that, I, I think that was a major, um, uh, floodgate might be the right word for like my sense of like wanting to explore a little bit more and like take, you know, chances on just weird movies. I don't know. Like I, I just, it, it opened my, it, let me just say it like this. <laughs> it opened my mind, man. Um, I just, it just made me care about movies 10 times more than I cared about them before, which is already a lot. Um, a couple more on here. Uh, Lion King. I was just obsessed with the Lion King as a kid. And Mulan was the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters. And I bring those two up primarily because my dad, you know, I, I, one time I took my, uh, my cousin's daughter to go see the Peanuts movie along with uh, her mom and my aunt. 
And she was kind of, you know, she was pretty attentive, but she was kind of squirming. And I just noticed that there was a lot of kids in the audience who were um, kind of moving around a lot and, you know, going through the aisles. And I was talking to my dad about that. Like, yeah, I mean, there's kind of distracting because there's a lot of kids like moving around. And I said, you know, I suppose that I did that too when I was a kid. And he was like, no, pretty much we just put you in front of a, a movie and you just were instantly engaged in it and interested and just wanted to watch the movie. So that was never <laughs> a problem. I was like, yeah, sounds about right, actually. Um, the more and, things change, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then I guess Ferris Bueller, I'm trying to pinpoint, when I was watching Ferris Bueller the other night, as I said, I was having that thought where like, I think this might be my favorite movie, uh, which is... Um, I don't even know, man. I don't know what it is about that movie. It just works so well for me, and I think it's I it's my entire personality in a, in a sad way. <laughs> it's not. It, it is, and it, and it isn't. Um, I think when I was a teenager, I used to defend this film to absolutely nobody about why I liked it so much and why I thought it worked because it's a comedy and it's so absurd. Sometimes it's a purposefully absurd comedy, yeah, situ- like in situation. And sometimes in the uh, the editing and the presentation, like it's purposely done in a way that's like not realistic. And compa- compared to something like The Breakfast Club, which also engages in those like uh, filmmaking techniques that sometimes, but is much more known as the iconic John Hughes teen movie that gets it right, you know. And I and I and I do like The Breakfast Club. I think it's a little bit too on the nose sometimes, and. There's something that always rang true to me about Ferris Bueller, even if this is not necessarily true about my experience with teachers or adults necessarily, is like, yeah, it's ridiculous that this principal would, first of all, that Ferris would get away with any of this so well and so successfully. Secondly, that a principal would go to the extent that Rooney goes to in this movie to just get this one kid. It's, it's even the worst of us... Uh, I, I I can't imagine that actually happening in real life. But there's something to that. There's something about the idea that people, when you're a teenager, it does just kind of feel like people are out to get you. Especially all of the adults in your life that you just can't win and that you are constantly in this game with them. Um, <laughs> to just, and to do what, you're not sure. The, the like the stifling atmosphere of the school this time around and the obsession with uh, attendance and how attendance was like the sign of an exemplary school record and that really got to me this time around as well as Cameron um, Cameron's character arc I mean as always rung true but his conversation with Solon uh, during the parade where he's like Ferris has always been able to handle all of this and I've never been able to handle anything and I don't know what I'm going to go to, I'm going to do after school like I'm going to go to college but to do what I don't I don't care about anything I don't want to do anything you know it's just like that day was so special and um yeah man I don't know these are all like the thoughts I had about it that aren't really leading to one coherent thesis but there's something about that movie seeing that at a pretty young age uh that really like I don't know, made me think about what editing could do and how editing could tell a story without me actually like thinking about it consciously. 
Um, and I, so I watch it now and I'm like, God, this is a brilliantly edited movie. Um, and it doesn't really get enough recognition for that. Um, and also still manages to tell a story about teen angst without, you know, hitting it, hitting the nail on the head too many times. Um, yeah, so that's a, you know, a long-winded way of saying all of these movies. I, I, Robin Hood Disney, it's just like, I was trying to say, what is it about that one? It's just the vibes, man. It's just the vibes are good. I've the vibes, had man. the um, the Mumford and Sons version of Not in Nottingham happening in my head ever since I saw you type <laughs> that. Oh, um, uh, poor Mumford. <laughs> R.I.P. Mumford and all his sons. Mumford and all his sons. <sighs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, like, absolutely had questions for you before you started like really getting into it and now they're just like gone oh um, <laughs> sorry no you had a lot of like cool stuff to say and i was just like yeah okay. yeah um i do want to say like coming from specifically the perspective of someone who's known you for a very long time it's so funny looking at your list of of like influential movies because i'm like these a bunch of these are movies that are in my head are categorized as Helena movies. Like these are capital <laughs> on each of the words. These are movies Helena likes, comma, and these are her movies. Um, like Little Miss Sunshine is like a Helena movie for me. Uh, the so Incredibles, uh, Fargo, um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I've never seen. <laughs> I also associate Four Weddings and a Funeral with my mom. Weirdly, I don't know why, but I do. Um. Yeah, a Toy Story is a Helena movie. Oh yay! I don't. It's just so. It's just so. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, um, especially if it's a movie I haven't. Ferris Bueller is a Helena movie, um, though it's less so because that's like a movie I have also seen a bunch. So that is also a like movie. Like that's also a that's an Us movie, I guess. Yeah. In my like in my Chris brain, Bang Bang to me is an Us. Yeah, movie. it's an Us movie. Um, not that I don't like the movies that I also that I like primarily associate with you. But, like, if you had to be, like, okay, Helena's coming over and you have to pick a movie to watch with her, I would be, it has to be something she's seen before. Like, something you know she'll like. I'd be, like, okay, well. And I would pick from, like, a bunch of, the, like, from this list. I'd be, like, well, this one, for sure. Um, I just <laughs> yeah. think it's very funny. It's so interesting about Little Bit of Sunshine, too, because that, for me, for a long time, was a Jamie movie. Uh, our, my friend Jamie. Yeah. Because they mm -hmm. were the ones who, they, they were the ones, <laughs> they are, they are legion. Uh, they were the one yes, person, <laughs> singular person, who introduced me to that movie. And yeah. um, I remember, it, we saw that when we were like 12. It was one of the early, not the first for me, but de definitely one of the earliest rated R movies. Um, and mm -hmm. God, I mean, that, that dialogue is so... I remember that being very controversial because it was definitely... The, the humor in that was very dark. And we yes. show it to one of our friends and they were like, I don't think this is very funny. And I was like, ha ha ha, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I, I also associate that movie with Jamie. I just haven't talked to Jamie in like 10 years, probably. <laughs> this is, um, yeah. so it's just a little bit different. Um, it's also funny because like looking at some of the movies on my list are like, oh, these are movies that Helena showed me. Um, not to be gay. Uh, too bad I'm gay. Well, Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> not to be gay. But like, I think it's so sweet that like a lot of the movies on my like influential list are like things that people were like you gotta see this and they showed it to me like not a lot of them are things i found on my own and i'm like isn't that nice that like i don't know like 
a lot of what made me who I am today is the things that people brought to my doorstep. Um, yeah, you, you, you can see the impact that other people had on you by what they chose to, like, sit you down and share with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be who I am today if my parents had not been watching Star Trek The Next Generation mm-hmm. when I was born. Uh, I mean, if my mom had not let me rent Cats Don't Dance approximately a bazillion times, um, I would be a different person, I think. God, I rented that movie a lot! Like, a lot! <laughs> um, yeah. Just, I don't know. I just think I just think it's interesting. Yeah. And there's also a bunch of movies on both of your lists that are movies that are, like, I associate with the two of you and also I'm like, I gotta get them to show me it. So, like, I still haven't seen Lords of Arabia. <laughs> Um, I still haven't oh, seen yeah. Four Weddings, obviously. I haven't seen, uh, Atonement. Or the- <laughs> There's a bunch of movies Rough. I haven't seen. Don't ask- don't ask me questions. Um, <laughs> Atonement is amazing and also just, like, will annihilate you emotionally. I know, I, I know. watched that. In Bruges, my... I think, is number one on the list, because I haven't seen In Bruges. It's that. one of those things where, like, for years- I've seen, like, part of In Bruges, but for right. years it's just something I just never got around to, and I'm like- I gotta. It's on both of your lists. Like, I um I saw Atonement for the first time when I was in college and going through my James McAvoy phase. This is at a time mm. when I actually I was like I was going through several phases because I mm. uh, as a bisexual I get to be attracted to two things and it's everything and everybody. Um, yeah, what I chose. Uh-huh. So I was yep. going through a David Tennant phase. The time was also going, which is still ongoing. Um, I was going through a James McAvoy phase, which is still ongoing, and something else too, I'm sure. So I downloaded, I downloaded, I I pirated a lot of um, James McAvoy movies, including like Starter for Ten. Uh, I mean, really deep cuts. We're talking. Oh here, my people. god! Fucking Starter for, for Ten. 10. <laughs> Started for 10 with Catherine Tate and Benedict Cumberbatch and Rebecca Hall and I feel like Bill actually like movie because f- a fairly is. good like look Starter for 10 is legitimately worth watching though I do like that movie it's a good movie um uh, fucking Roy O'Shea was here uh I saw I watched uh, that movie. yeah fuck I watched that during my James McAvoy phase too oh handshake meme uh- <laughs> And Atonement was, like, one of the only ones where I was like, I gotta get me a, a Blu-ray rip of this. And it is a gorgeous movie. And that, uh, yeah, that movie, besides being, like, just a incredibly well-made movie, it's it's also James McAvoy and Keira Knightley in 2008. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was literally what uh, am I? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to process this? And mm-hmm. I think he's like he's more attractive in that movie than he has been possibly ever. Even though, like, I think most of us had our. There's that joke post, which is not really a joke, but kind of a joke, where it's like <laughs> I was first attracted to James McAvoy when he had goat legs. I have no James McAvoy <laughs> standards. Like, yeah, all of us <laughs> first saw James McAvoy as Mr. Tumnus in Chronicles of Narnia. We're like, <laughs> fucking Mr. Tumnus. There's like these cute boys here and there who are actually our age, and we're like, who's that with the goat? Yeah, we're like, who's, <laughs> who's this the goat guy man? With the goat legs. Look, he's really <laughs> vulnerable in that movie, and we all know that's secretly what, like a what people. What? He's right. shaped like a friend. What? <laughs> I said what I said, it. and I fucking meant it. You're, you're right, and you shouldn't say it. You're right. 
No, nope, right. I'm 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 just gonna air <laughs> all of our dirty laundry on this podcast. Our grievances. It's, it's everybody's dirty laundry at this point. I can't think of a single person that I I I'm serious right now. I can't <laughs> think of a person that I know in real life who did not have a point where they were like Mr. Toughness, though. Like I'm I'm serious. I can't think <laughs> He's of a, a little cute. It's James McAvoy. Um, uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. It's just something that we went through. It's you know yeah. it's the it's the human experience, really. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. It and now my man's out there doing uh, steering under birch rack. Good for him. Um, you know what, the king. God, king. I'm so I'm so excited king to watch shit. that. Me too. Um, me too. That's gonna be good. We should well we should all watch that. Um, Helena. Yeah. I gotta know. I gotta know what this Venn diagram of our lists is. I gotta okay. know the yes. top, the highs, the lows. So most of these, is, I will. There's only two movies that were on all three of our lists. <laughs> I bet. I bet I can guess what they are, but hit they me are. with them. Well, I'll go. I'll start from the bottom first. Most there's uh, nine okay. movies that appeared on two people's lists. Um, okay. Henry Five appeared on both Ezra and my lists. Um, as did. Yeah, I didn't see that movie until later. I think if I had seen it earlier, I'd probably be yeah. on my list, but. I didn't see it until, like, a year or two ago, so. Henry V, Lion King, In Bruges, Four Weddings and a Funeral, those are all on um, both my list and Ezra's list. Uh, Princess Bride was on your list and my list. Um, let's see. Billy Elliot, Dead Poets Society, Casablanca, and Lord of the Rings were on both you and Ezra's list. Your list and Ezra's list. Um, so yeah, that what are all your tracks. guesses for the two movies that are on all three of our lists? It's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in the fall. Like, what yeah, the fuck man. else would it be? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's what the it. fuck else? You got it. <laughs> and it's so um, yeah, funny, because that's, that's all our of podcast. those... It's, it's so... Because, like, I came to those movies through you, Helena, but Z interacted with them entirely separately from us. <laughs> which is, no, what are the fucking this, odds? This, once again, just fucking proves my point that, like... I was just, like, secretly also a third part of your adolescent friend group who you just didn't know. And I was <laughs> we just were just like this, like, this, like, parallel adolescence. This you just were, like, before fact. we met, you were vibing with us. And you just, like, yeah. knew out there somewhere we were watching this. And you were like, I gotta see it, though. You know yeah. this is true, because I remember you telling me that, the like, when you met, that you said, oh, because... Maddie and I, it's like, it's still around, but it's like functionally dead now. Maddie and I used to have a, a side blog on Tumblr yes. that was just a Hamlet side blog. <laughs> where we just didn't yeah. really post anything substantial, but you know, like photos and some, you know, answering some questions. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And Maddie and Ezra were paired as roommates in college. And I guess, Maddie, you mentioned that you had this Hamlet side blog and Ezra was like, yeah. oh, I follow that blog. Yeah, Which, like, I think that it came up like, says. oh, do you have a Tumblr? And we were like, of course mm -hmm. I have a fucking Tumblr. Uh, and we were just talking about like, oh, do, do we happen to follow each other? And it was like, oh, no, we don't. But like, and I, I was like, I, I don't know, like we have this, hell and I have this side blog. Uh, and it was funny because Z and I, they did not email either. I'm sure we told this story before, but I'm telling it again. Uh, either of us, Celesto, we had roommates. So I walked to my room and there's two beds and I'm like, I wonder if they just, like, gave me a two-bedroom by myself. Which, like, sick if true. And I set up my shit, uh, and, like, I think I had something in the fridge, I left it out, like, hey, I don't know if I have a roommate, but if I do, like, please don't eat these. Uh, and I went to hang out with you, Helena, like, I stayed overnight at your house. Oh, that's so And came funny. back, 
to find a person in my room. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, and I, I think actually like, you weren't there. I think you I think you had made the other bed and I was like, "Ah, oh, well, I guess there's another person because I think you were hanging out with a high school friend of yours. I don't remember who." Yeah. I which, which person it was. Probably and then I met them later that night, I think. One of the Dillons, I think. It was one of the Dillons. I think I they came back later that me. night and I was like, "I guess I'm meeting both of you for the first time." <laughs> Very fun. And thus yeah. be yeah, I know. Sarah serendipitous, I would say. Yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah. man. That was a movie as I, know. I said earlier that like I for some reason had <laughs> the script, the shooting script, uh You'll Never Die in This Town Again as something that I, I bookmarked and read <laughs> online. I was so interested in it. I yeah. was obsessed with it. Which is like I, I feel like I you still and... have that bookmarked somewhere because sometimes when we watch that movie, you'll just be like, "Hey, do you want to see bits from the fucking script again?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> the little Perry nerd. I do. I mean, it's mostly yeah. just like I was trying. I I think I was like desperate for fan fiction, basically, and that was what how I got my yeah because I was I couldn't find any kiss kiss bang bang. Uh, fan fiction on fanfiction.net which was the place oh, fan fanfiction.net fanfiction.net that's, that's where I went to read my My Life as a Teenage Robot fanfiction as a young 12 year old that is not <laughs> where one went to uh, read Kiss Kiss Bang Bang fanfiction and it still isn't really um, no. there is some on Archive of Your Own but in the meantime I was just like yeah. you know I have read the same I guess same, I'll just like, read the shooting script yeah that's good enough <laughs> There's an extra stuff in there, you know, about, like, yeah, what's there is. going on. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> I still love the, like, the original title was You'll Never Die in This Town Again. I think that's such yeah. a fucking slippity slappity title. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure, eliminate me. Um, yeah, I, we've been talking for a while, and I don't know, I don't know if we have any, like, actual real thoughts on Two Years of Steeple, or if we want to tack that on somewhere what do we want to do with that um i guess we could just be like hey cigarette thanks for being here for two years fucking bad yeah. shit that we're the Honestly, oldest podcast yeah, on the network that's, now that's a big part of it yeah. <laughs> that's nuts we beat we beat all the others we won other we podcasts are, like, bummer you flattered that y'all are that, that people like to listen to this show like that means yeah. a lot in the podcast Cornucopia, we uh, got to the... Uh, I don't fucking remember that part of the Hunger Games. This is not going to work as a joke. I also but don't. But that's what we did with the podcast. I uh, <laughs> I remember the book Battle Royale and like three people make it off the island. So guess what? We're the oh, ones who made it off. Making it off the island. So this is like lost is what you're saying. And so no. we are like the, um, the Kate and Sawyer. Of <laughs> it's not. Oh, it's not like Lost? Okay. I thought that Lost was the Ur text of all, like, modern... <laughs> of of every battle royale? No, of, ev- of everything. Of art. Oh. Oh. I mean, maybe. I, I, I wouldn't know. It's I all, it's all Lost, it. deep down. It's everything's yeah, Lost. Yeah, that's kind of... When you kind of shake everything out, what's left is just uh, Lost. Yeah. It's when, mm-hmm. like, the, those videos going around last summer that were all fucking with us, where people would cut into the, like, box, and it was a... It was a cake the whole time. It's like that, but it's lost. But it's lost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was a really beautiful sentiment about like sticking with us and actually listening to the podcast that was written <laughs> by my side. <laughs> fucking talking it's about fucking laws. Look now, okay, if we're talking about formative text, first of all, and second of all, it's almost been nine years, so I feel like my brain is entitled yeah, to like no. go where I it's think gotta go. You know. Maybe you we get can, a pass, bud. Yeah, we can talk <laughs> next episode about like more maybe we'll do a mini episode or something about two years of steeple or whatever, but <laughs> Uh, you know, that was the main takeaway is, uh, two years of steeple. We did it. Um, yeah. we are the champions and we won at podcasting, which is a thing you can do. So, uh, yay us. Go team. <laughs> Go team. Go team. Squad. <laughs> Go ducks. Um. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Any last thoughts? Any other... I like, you know, <laughs> I like making a podcast with you guys. I'm glad that we all decided to become movie people and make a podcast about it, even though originally yeah. we weren't going to make a podcast. Ben was like, uh, producer Ben, friend of the show, um, was Not like, yeah, either. when you guys originally pitched this to me, you were talking about how, like, maybe episode you would, like, change to, like, different kinds of media. And at the time, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. I was like, is that what we said? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, that was a stupid idea. And he was like, no. yeah, but I wasn't going to tell you. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm glad we figured it out immediately because we're yeah. geniuses. So, yeah, yeah, good on us. Good on us. I do yeah. remember that. Back in a time when you could meet with people in cafes in Northwest Portland and talk yeah. about the podcast. Wild. Yeah, and call Ezra on the speakerphone. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I do want to say that, like, in, in yeah. the spirit of that, um, Ezra and I have both received our first shots of our uh, vaccines. Yep. Yahoo! Yeah. So, that is something And I'm in the next like, group, so. Yeah, we're getting there. Like, I know that we're getting there. there's no such thing as, like, uh, going back to normal, and that's not necessarily no. a thing where everything's going to magically get better. But I am looking no. forward to being able to be with people again. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, next year in person. Next yes. year in person, everybody. Um, also, I mean, I guess briefly, just thinking about even like, I think it's kind of cool that like, speaking of in person, like all three of us now live in different states. Um, yeah, we do, which is kind of sure. crazy and like very cool. Um, in terms of, like, the way our, our lives are kind of spinning, specifically, Helena, it's very cool that you now live, uh, in New York, but, New um, York. In New York. But, uh, sorry to New York listeners. Um. I'm not. Helena, okay. Helena, Helena you don't, Helena, you don't count. Um. <laughs> I don't count, but also I have to say before you, no, continue, 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 continue. <laughs> I, I don't know, I just, I'm, yeah, I was just gonna say, I, I, it's cool that like this is not where we thought we would be two years from now, but we still we still have each other. After yeah. all the shit that happened and like being all separated, we still get to have our little podcast and our little conversations, and um, I get to yell at Helena still yeah. at top volume, meaning because that I... my waveform is fucked up every single episode. Oh yeah, God, yeah, I, I put bad things in the Google Doc. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, it's I was a, gonna you know say... I edit the episodes. I can do what I want. This is true. <laughs> I was gonna say today I did actually on my way to work um, go into an actual bodega with an actual bodega cat um, who I tragically did not get to pet and I got oh. a coffee and a bagel which I ate in front of the Presbyterian Church which is across the street from my work so today I am officially 
Uh, New Yorker, that's not true. But um, I am. I guess you know? agree. What is step one of becoming a New Yorker? You've met it. Yeah, yeah. And also, step two, I, I guess. Say, I guess step one is moving there. Step one is moving there. Step two is uh, going to a bodega and meeting bodega cat. Third is saying yes because I have now gone into a bodega and met a bodega cat. I can say that my friend Ezra is allowed to make fun of New York <laughs> in any way they want. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And on that note. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Sneeple at the Movies from the Infinity Break Network. Check out infinitybreak.net for more awesome content, and come hit us up on Twitter at people underscore snake. Our theme music was done by Johnny Ronaldo, who you can find at Johnny Ronaldo on Twitter. Our logo was designed by Bethany Luthold. Check her out at bethanyluthold.wixsite.com. If you've got a subject you want to hear us talk about, a movie you think we absolutely need to see, or want to tell us your favorite Sneeple moment from the past two years, come say hello. Also, if you can, please leave a review on iTunes and share the show with any friends who you think would enjoy it. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the movies.